Welcome to the Uncivilized Podcast. My name is Trevor Bohm and I will be your host. Every week or so, I try to get myself a fascinating human on the mic for you, someone who looks at the civilized world just like you do and says, no, thank you. Someone who wants to break some rules, to lead, and to bring their unique vision into the world. Someone for whom the status quo simply will not do. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I do. Please dive in. Welcome back to the Uncivilized Podcast. This is Traver, your host, and I just got off this call with Sophie Josefina, a magical woman who I know through Instagram, who's recently made a huge transition from a scientific corporate background into relationship tantra and sex coaching. And this return to, let's just say the return to what her heart and soul wanted to do also stemmed around some really big uh, health issues. So you'll get to hear her transition. And she's just got this brilliant way of framing relationship and framing permission and framing sexuality that I think is so necessary right now and so healing to the world and is the space that the world, both men and women, really need. And stick around for this one because we actually stopped the recording. And then she says, hey, I have a question for you. And we dove back into an entire other subject of male desire and the challenges that society has with it. So give this a, a listen all the way through and enjoy my wonderful guest, Sophie Josefina. Sophie Josefina. Did I get it? <laughs> yeah, amazing, amazing, amazing. So good to finally see you. So good to have you on here. Tell our listeners, if you would, where in the world you are. And just since this is Corona time, like, in 60 seconds, what's going on in your city, state, country, world, life, all of it? So I'm in Amsterdam right now. Uh, and in Amsterdam, everything is really chill. The atmosphere here is very nice and kind of community and peaceful. feels like we've got everything under control here. So it feels good. Be- beautiful. Yeah. So for some of my listeners are American. Yes. And geography outside of the U.S. isn't our strong suit. So for those people who are just like, Amsterdam, that's cool. Uh, where would Amsterdam be? You had this the first time we spoke. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> Look, I am very worldly. And you know, I thought it was a really cool building in England named Amsterdam. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I live. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you live um, in Copenhagen, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's close. It's close. I get it. There's many countries in Europe. Uh, so Amsterdam's in the Netherlands, <laughs> and that's There's pretty many much. countries. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's okay, little dum dum. It's, okay, it's okay. hard to remember. I, yeah, yeah. I okay. mean, I wouldn't know the states either. So it's true. It. It's true. It's true. Yeah, yeah, and we don't even think anything exists beyond our borders, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah. But so it's in the Netherlands, and the Netherlands is close to England and Belgium. <laughs> Bam! You're in Europe. Yeah. All right. A lot of people yeah. are like, ah, she's in Europe. okay. I get it. Yeah. So you have recently made a big life work expression transition. Would you share a little bit about that for us? Yeah. So I just spent the last 10 years in a very corporate world, corporate life. I was a data scientist at a very big company and my body pretty much collapsed a few years ago. My, I, I, I lost everything. I had just pretty much like the shit at the fan in the most epic way. I know you have a similar story. Like I lost my mom and then I, my relationship ended the day after the funeral, my five-year relationship, my dog died, my health collapsed, everything oh, happened. Fuck. The dog was the one. Yes. I was like, really? This too? <laughs> Talk about like insult to injury. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So that happened maybe in the space of four weeks. So I, wow. I felt like I lost everything. Yeah. And in that came my awakening, I would say I had, been raised in things like Tantra. My mother was a tantric woman and my dad, a quantum physicist. So I went into academia and science and mm. math. And it was actually through everything collapsing that I thought, fuck, am I actually living the life that I want to, or am I living the life that I should be? Mm. And then honestly, my body refused to live a life that it should. And I got very sick. I got really bad burnout. I started getting 
like like I had organ failures. Like it was just a really wow. terrible mess. And I, the only energy that I had was to do things that I wanted to do. Mm. And that I found my way back to Tantra. I found my way back to the spiritual community, to my body, to coaching, to transformation. I studied really hard because I wanted to have a very good formal training and not just be like, I'm a coach. And this April, I officially made the switch. And it's, it's so fascinating though. Like my health has changed. Like I feel better. I have more energy. The burnout seems to be gone. Uh, I feel very differently about life. Yeah. yeah. You know, one of my acupuncture teachers, this was early, early in grad school, said at the root of all disease is unexpressed desire. Yeah. And I remember hearing that. And I always couple this with like, yeah, but what is like a three-year-old who has leukemia? Like, what do they get? What's their unexpressed desire? Okay, maybe there's more to it. But for a lot of adults, I completely feel that the root of dis-ease, however it manifests, be that disease or whatever else, is that lack of pure expression. It's the, God, my soul really wants to do X, but my parents, my society, my gender, my makeup, the story I tell myself is that I can't, I won't make any money at it. I won't be any good at it, yada, yada. And then you hear stories like this. And so my body just shit the bed. Yeah. And I do also want to like, I've always had like a very strong spiritual community around me. And I found it really hard when I was that sick to have a lot of people around me say, oh, but you're so sick because you have unexpressed trauma. Right, right, right. I do think that this, these, these kind of Yes, I, there's a lot about disease and unexpressed desire. I completely agree. And I think there's a part that's just, I got a shitty deal of cards. And it's just mm-hmm. a you bit of constitutionally. luck. Yeah, yeah. Because I think some people think like when you, I don't know, have healed all your traumas and are living the life you want, you're going to have a perfect body that is healthy. Yeah, of course. And it's not like magically now everything has disappeared. Right, 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 right. <laughs> My ACL reconstructed itself when I started writing, you know, which allowed me to walk to the mailbox every day and get all those free checks that just show (laughs) up and you also figure out what the fuck you're supposed to do. Yeah, exactly. So I think there's also the reality somewhere in the middle where, yes, when we are living a life that we don't want to, our body will start protesting. For sure. And I think we can sometimes just have a shitty deal of cards. Yeah, Yeah, stuff happens. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a huge believer in the everything happens for a reason no, conversation. Like sometimes you just stub your toe and yeah, it's, exactly. it's because the, the, the table's in the middle of the room and that's why. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. yeah, that sounds like a pretty radical shift. So just that's again, it. so for someone who doesn't know what data science means, does that mean you just poured over numbers and X's and O's all day? So I did a lot of mathematics and statistics and programming. So we did a lot of machine learning things. So that's a bit more in the artificial intelligence corner, trying to predict human behavior. Um, I really enjoy the mathematics and psychology. So that's really uh, what, I, uh, what I did a lot of. Yeah. Okay. So I was looking at a lot of mathematics and code. How does one go from mathematics and code to tantra, sex, relationship, energy, juiciness, flow, like every post you've ever made on Instagram, then I'm like, oh my fucking God, I'm going to go for a walk now. How do you, how does a human go from A to B so drastically? I think there was a part of my femininity that was in the data science. So I was very intuitive about data. Mm. I can't explain it differently. Like I knew exactly where to look for where the problem could be. So that was definitely there. And honestly, I've used my very scientific analytical mind on Tantra and spirituality. Okay. Um, so I feel like I'm very much still using my same way of thinking, but I'm now applying yeah. it something very differently. And I like that combination because I think, especially in Tantra or sex or spirituality, we can just, we can become very ungrounded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Right? We don't know what's the truth and it's just a new paradigm to believe in. Right. So I, I like basing it on, hey, I understand what my body's doing or I understand what's happening or I understand why this is good for me or what I'm doing for myself here. Yeah. Yeah. So I like kind of the mix of neuroscience and Tantra. That's what I'm doing now. Ooh. Yeah. How do you see this? Let's, if you could describe more so, like for people who hear Tantra and think, okay, cool, fucking, but doing it six feet apart while I, like, can you explain Tantra a little bit for people who may not be as versed in it? 
yeah, I still wish I had a good like elevator pitch for Tantra. I don't. Um, <laughs> and I think <laughs> I think anybody trying to summarize it will probably like piss other people off. So here's my definition, which I know is not the perfect one, but for me, Tantra is living through the body. So it's it's not necessarily always about sex. It's about what's happening right now, what's real, what's what am I feeling in this body of mine, and can I let that move? Mm-hmm. So it's being with what is. So if I am angry or jealous, instead of rejecting it, pushing it away, or doing kind of the detached mindfulness of, oh, it's a cloud in the sky. <laughs> I think what Tantra actually does is say, okay, what the fuck does that feel like? When you're jealous, that's a lot of energy in your body. Where is it? Can you move it? Can you direct it someplace? Can you go in it? Can you express mm-hmm. it? So for me, Tantra is actually spirituality through the body. Oh, I love that definition. <clears throat> and I think so much right now, uh, I've watched so much spiritual bypassing happen mm-hmm. with, the, with the virus, both from mm-hmm. the spiritual community, which is just disgusting, and yeah. people who weren't really prone to bypassing, but just say, okay, this is so overwhelming and I don't know how to handle it. Yeah, Let me it. just leave my body and go upstairs and hang out in the heavens and feel better. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what, what happened for you when you started listening to your body and staying in your body as opposed to going to the seventh floor and checking out? Can you talk about some of both the pros and the challenges? So I have very much a tendency because I'm so analytical to be here and not be anywhere else. And here is your head. Yeah. Yeah. My head, I'm just so, I'm very much stuck in my head. I can go numb very easily. I dissociate very easily. So for me, it's still a daily practice. I was raised with Tantra. It's still a daily practice for me to pull myself into my body because my comfort zone is to not be in it. Right. For like the big changing point was the when I had the burnout and the depression and the numbness is instead of thinking of ways to not be burnt out or to not be numb, I actually went into the numbness and into the exhaustion and expressed that physically. Because that's st- even when you feel like if you feel nothing, that's still a sensation. Right. For sure. And that was a game changer for me. I thought, okay, I feel, I don't know, depressed or low or burnt out today. That's still very much a sensation. Like my body's just heavy and empty. Mm. Can I express that? Yeah, that's like a heavy energy. Like I can still move that. Can you define, I'm just putting myself in in the position of someone listening to this and they say, okay, what does that mean to come back into my body? What does that mean to express and to move energy? Yeah, that's a super good question. It's really simple. It's it's really like feeling like what is kind of the energy that I'm feeling right now? Is there heat? Is there warmth? Is there a shape? Is there a movement? Uh, if I start breathing into that sensation, what does my body want to do? Like when I start breathing into jealousy, maybe I want to like, I don't know, push something away and to then do that movement. So to start feeling again what it is that your body wants to do because your body's actually very wise. Okay. And it knows how to move through these things. So it's really tuning into the sensation and asking your body again, okay, what do you want to do with this? Mm. And especially as adults, we have to relearn a lot because we don't know how to physically express emotion. Right. So for instance, for me, a really powerful one is disgust. Okay. Like spiritual bypassing, it disgusts me, right? I'm judgy about it. I really don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. It makes me angry. To actually express disgust is kind of like gagging, like, ugh. Yeah. Right? I do that almost daily just to get rid of the, the emotion, just to move through it. So you'll physically act out the act of gagging to move that through you. Yep. Wow. It's almost like Tantra returns us back to being little kids. Yes. Of like, oh, you watch a little kid as no problem gagging, throwing themselves on the floor in a tantrum, jumping up and down, twirling in circles, screaming. Yeah. And then we as adults sit there unmoving and just... Yeah fume and And we think we're more enlightened because we have analyzed everything when actually the path to expansion is to have that body move again because your body knows exactly what to do it knows yeah what's the challenge of that though is it that you now have to feel things and and i'm thinking about people (laughs) listening who are like fuck that shit i mean first of all in the west we live in the if you feel it doesn't matter what it is if you feel it here's a drug for it or if you feel it and express it, let's shame you for it. Yeah. You can't feel that. You can't think that. You can't do that. You can't. Who are you to think you're allowed to be happy? Who are you allowed to think think you're allowed to be sad? Who are you to be the one skipping in the office as opposed to not sitting there quietly doing what you're told? What what were some of the challenges for you when you dropped heavily into your body? Is it the 
like, oh shit, now I have to deal with this? Yes, many days. Yeah. I cuz cuz I I'm very aware now that I cannot bypass myself. Like if I if I'm feeling uncomfortable in my skin, I can't push that away for very long because it will get louder and louder and louder because that's the thing like that that's also what tantra like kind of the the philosophy is that your emotions are kind of like gods so you can devote them and they have an intelligence everything you're feeling has an intelligence and has something to say and if you don't listen to it it will it will get uglier and it will get bigger because it wants you to listen like for instance if now in corona you're feeling really anxious there's probably a big fucking good reason why you're angry or why you're anxious, right? There's a really good reason. You should be anxious. Yeah. So How instead of saying, I shouldn't feel anxious because I need to keep my shit together, actually like feel the anxiety, be like, okay, what does it have to show me? Okay, apparently I care about safety and structure. Mm-hmm. Okay, apparently I care about that. Is there a different way for me to create that? Mm. So it sounds like Tantra is an invitation for a lot of dialogue. With yourself. Yeah. With yourself. Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. Why do you think we in the West are so adverse to a dialogue with ourselves? Because I, I think we put inte- like intellectual and, and we put the head above everything else. Mm. We've cut off the body because the body is just something that's like keeping us from doing what we want here, right? Where like our feeling, our, our sicknesses, it's just keeping us from doing what we want. Mm-hmm. And there's another little point that I do want to mention in this is Let's say you've gone through a fuckload in your life and it's a lot to feel. Yeah. In those cases, I get completely that people want to moderate that and that sometimes medication is needed for that or whatever, right? I totally get that. Yeah, for sure. So with these things as well, like if there's a lot going on in your system, don't just dive in and go into full expression because that's also unsafe for your system. So there's ways to go through this that are safe to kind of dose it in small small bits. Yeah, a little micro dosing, huh? Yeah. In your emotions, in your expression. Yeah, I thought one of the challenges with Corona, everyone, a lot of the conversation in the coaching, self-development, spiritual community is, oh, wow, this is so good. Everyone now has to face their shit. And yet I think for so many people, it's like opening a, a closet full of trauma and yeah. it's so overfull that it just, boom, it blows them back and knocks them over. And it's yeah. too much trauma to work with. As yeah. opposed to opening the door real fast, closing it real fast, and like, okay, anger popped out. Let yeah. me look at anger. Let me feel yeah. that. How do you yeah. guide people who are new to this through it? Like, so for your coaching clients or even people in your life, if someone comes to you and says, yeah, I really want to start feeling my body and yeah. I'm terrified, what's the microdose step for me? Honestly, like there's intelligence behind everything. If there's something in your system that's not allowing you to feel, there's probably a very good reason it's there. Say more about that. So for instance, I had this my whole life. I couldn't breathe very deeply. The goal is not for me to breathe very deeply. The goal is to find out why I'm not breathing very deeply. What is, because everything in my system is trying to protect me. If I'm not breathing deeply, there's a very beautiful, good reason why I'm not. And we have to listen to that before we do anything else. Right. So the micro dose is really, you're feeling very, like you're, you're feeling lots of anxiety right now. What is it that you can create right now to take care of that a little bit, not to get rid of it, but just to take care of yourself a little bit, right? There's an intelligence. So instead of forcing yourself to breathe deeper, the only thing we're going to do is breathe a slither deeper, mm. right? So we don't have to shock the system into healing. Right, 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 right. Just to shock it into the other direction. That everything that your 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 psyche is doing, that your body is doing, has an intelligence behind it. Like we've forgotten the goodness of our bodies. Mm. Like when my body is sick, it's not punishing me; it's protecting me from something, or it's trying to figure out something. But it, if I have panic attacks, they are not punishments. They are my body trying to take care of myself. Right? There's a love. There's an intelligence behind all of it. And so that's how I work with my clients. Like, let's figure out what it's trying to do for you. And maybe we can do it in a different way Mm. so that this system can relax a little bit. Yeah. The idea of a system relaxing, I think is such Mm -hmm. a new concept in the West, Mm -hmm. right? We are, especially in the U S we are so jacked up on caffeine, Red Bull, Metallica, uh, (laughs) Trump, like all the things that, I believe a moment of relaxation or true relaxation would be terrifying for a lot of people. Oh yeah. They wouldn't know where to get their drive. 
yeah, I, I have this. I have a very strong inner masculine that's always working and delivering and, and, and producing. And I very much enjoy being in that energy. For me, sitting still in meditation or going to a yin yoga class is terrifying. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, and that I, seems to be so what the collective is experiencing right now. I know so many people yeah. who are losing their minds literally yeah. because they don't have access to a gym. Yeah. They don't have access to the extreme. They don't have yeah. access to shocking yeah. their system daily into yeah. submission. And so now the messages are starting to come through. Yeah. So tell me when you made the transition, who were the type of people you were hoping to work with? Was it just mostly around relationship and sexuality or was it around healing? Was it around actualization and expression or did you have an idea? I'm so curious of one for people listening. Wow. There's so many people right now going, holy shit, here's the opening. I can take a right and do this thing that I've always wanted to do, but I'm so scared. And then two, I'm just interested in the thing that you did when you went right. So both the process and the outcome. So I think my process was, was a commitment to myself to connect to my body every day, even though I didn't want to, even though I was thinking of a hundred reasons not to, (laughs) that there was even the simplest 20 seconds of me going, how does my body feel right now? What is it trying to do? What does it want to do? Does it want to curl up? I'm going to let it curl up. Yeah. That was this in the simplest form, what I did. What got me out of it? The other thing that got me out of it was becoming really aware of my masculine and feminine energy. Okay, let's hit that next. That's yeah. a biggie. How do you answer the question mm-hmm. when people say, so you said it like, I did this even though I didn't want to? Yeah. Even though every fiber in my being said, don't check in with my body, I had a hundred reasons not to. But yeah. then, so there's that, there's like this masculine pushing through. Mm-hmm. And then the, my body told me I wanted to rest, so I rested. The yeah. surrender of listening to the, the yeah. voice that came through. How do you personally juggle the two? Because right? I get a lot of people that ask, well, I didn't do your assignment today because I didn't feel called to. And I was like, oh, you're just lazy as fuck. Like, get off your ass and do the thing I told you to do. Like, well, how do I? My body was giving me signs and signals that it didn't want to. Like, it's such a good question, especially for something. <laughs> like, when do I say, I'm going to chill today? Or when do I move myself to go to the gym or whatever. Yeah. It feels differently when you are going to do something that you maybe don't want to, but you know, will be good for you. That feels differently than a no. So if I, for instance, my body is tired or not feeling well, and I think I should go to the gym and my body's saying, please take it easy. I can today. Mm-hmm. That, that comes from a place of calmness. I think mm-hmm. that feels calm. And if I contrast that to, I should go to the gym. I don't really want to. Uh, I notice I'm a little bit tired. You know what? I should take it easy. I'm going to chill in bed. That's a different energy. And so I think for anybody going through this, it's becoming really familiar with the energies behind things that were true no mm-hmm. and things that were you just not wanting to deal with some discomfort. Yeah, it's, it's a, I think it's a, a beautifully stated. It's a relationship with your own honesty. Yeah. We, we, we all get that tiny little ping, I think, of like, I'm just bullshitting myself. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to do this. Yeah. And the like, I just certainly on every level, this is a no. Yeah. My body's just going, nope, I'm shutting down. Yeah. Other than, I think the second one has, there's a little bit of anxiety to it. Yes. Like, like that's like, yeah. So nope, we ain't fucking doing it. Day off. Can't, can't clear the calendar. Let's and then if I can just mention one other thing to that, like I'm a big fan of conscious sinning. And that means that... Tell me more. <laughs> that means that let's say I want to go to the gym and there's a part of me that doesn't want to do it. And I'm already going through the, trying to figure out a reason why I don't have to go to the gym. Instead of making that like another arena where I can judge myself or be angry or whatever, I can just go like, I'm not going to go to the gym today and it's going to be delicious. And I'm playing hooky and I'm just going to fully go into this. <laughs> because I don't believe that it works to deny ourselves anything because then we reject it, right? So it, this is the same. I mean, if you don't drink alcohol and you have one drink a month, you can enjoy that, right? You could enjoy this massively. Or if you eat very healthy and then you're going to have a chocolate chip cookie, instead of guilt tripping yourself, think, yeah. oh my God, I'm going to enjoy this. This is going to be yummy. Or even like casual sex. Maybe that's not your thing. You do it once and you, I don't know, you're a tantric dude and you think you shouldn't. You can also just really enjoy it for that one time. Like 
conscious sinning is still doing the the sinning, but with intention. I think that's going to be the name of this podcast, by the way. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Tell me more about, this is a beautiful segue and this is the, <laughs> I can feel it. What has to happen for people to have, to give themselves permission to start experiencing pleasure? It feels like here, at least in the U.S., I'll speak to it. We did not, we are in such a state of denying pleasure. And then if we do experience it, we experience it hidden in the shadows, eating that cookie, like in the closet, wiping your mouth and not telling anybody. And then going on Facebook, Instagram and posting about how clean your diet is. Can you talk about the power of pleasure? And I know we said we touch masculine feminine dynamics. So if you want to weave that in there, that's cool too. And the permission necessary to experience pleasure. So this has always been a big topic for me because I'm so stuck in my masculine and overdrive and overdelivering and working hard and producing. I've always thought that pleasure should be deserved. Ooh. Right? Right. So I can have pleasure when I finish that project. I can have pleasure, pleasure when I've made that amount of money. I can have pleasure when I did this or when I did that. So as long as I was doing those things, I could give myself pleasure, but it meant that it was always very shaky because mm. it wasn't a perfect system. And sometimes I did a lot and it didn't feel like I did do a lot. And so the pleasure thing became weird. So I think for a lot of people, we don't think we inherently deserve pleasure. So I, what is needed for people to think like, yeah, I'm, like it's, when you become a sex coach, it becomes so strange that we've all decided that we're not allowed to feel these things. Mm that this somehow needs to be moderated. Right. Right. Like why, why does something like the pleasure that's in my body need to be moderated? This is my body. I have every right to do with it as I want. Right. Why have we all decided that? I don't know if you want sex uh, twice a day, that's too much. Or if you pleasure yourself every day, that's too much. Like what? This is my body and I can do with it what I want. So yeah, I think one piece is kind of feeling the inherent worth you have to experience all the pleasure you want to and that it never needs to be moderated. Like this is okay. And so are like people- live in a culture of starvation. We've made it normal to not eat, to not get the emotional nourishment that we need in relationships. Like we've, we've, we've made it so okay that you're not getting what you need in everything, also in, in pleasure. And is that yeah. just a social agreement? Is that- you know, because we have a puritanical background. Is that religion? Is that cultural? Is that governmental? Or does it even matter? I don't know. But I, I think there's always been a good reason why the past two, three thousand years, we've especially sexual pleasure have, have shamed it and have put it in a shadow. Yeah. Because when people are sexually integrated, so you, you are integrated in yourself, you know what you want, what you like, or what you can ask for it, or you have at least a sense of wholeness in your own sexuality. I think you you become unstoppable. Like there's something about you that especially like, uh, what's it called? Taking in that shadow of your sexual side and being able to embrace that and be be okay with that. Most people that I know that really have done that, they feel like the safest, most charismatic people that I know because they are whole, they're integrated. Yeah. So I think as long as we shame some part of human existence, it also keeps people like, because you have an urge, but you're not allowed to do it. So you're constantly in a shame spiral and a guilt spiral. Mm. And, And we don't need to be. Yeah, I agree. There's a reason why every major religion yeah. controls sexuality. You can you control someone's sexuality, you control them. Period, yeah. fucking period. Yeah. It's such a powerful form of control and to put shame around it. And it's still so prevalent. It's so interesting in the US where we have like a $10 trillion pornography industry. Yeah. And yet, if you say the word blowjob on national television, you will be scorned and have Bibles thrown at you and you know, hopefully burned at the stake. Can you talk a little bit about, it was one of the things, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on was from listening to an interview you did where you were speaking specifically about the challenges of being a woman with a very open, not shame-based and high sex drive. Yeah. Can you talk about, or being a, a highly sexual woman, what is the experience of being a highly sexual woman in 2020? Yeah. So I was raised by very liberal people. Mm-hmm. So sex was very normal. My mother was was tantric. So there was never, I, was, I wasn't ingrained with this idea that sex was bad or that I wasn't allowed to, or that there was something like slut shaming. And then when I went to college, I really went into this world, like there's all these things I want to experience. And there's all these people that say, yes, okay, this is going to be fun. And then I noticed that just people weren't 
receiving that with love. And it was a very confusing process for me. I thought, huh, what I'm doing is beautiful. This is beautiful. Like this is sacred. This is gorgeous. Why is the world judging this? And it was such a confusing thing to go through to feel that the world wanted me to be sexy. But the moment I got sexual, I could be shamed. I was like, where do you want me to be? And then I mean, my, my, now my situation is a bit different, but for the last few years, like I, I was very sexual and liberated and owning that and just very much open about it. So I would attract partners that were, that were interested in that, but often it were, they were men that were, that saw it as a challenge. Like, can I do this? Mm. Can I handle a woman like that? Right. And often no. So I, 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 I received a lot of shaming and judging and just really their shadows that I had to, I was becoming a projection of. So what is it to be a woman in 2020? It's hard sometimes. Like I post things on Instagram and I get hate mail now from people that I, that are close to me that just say, so if you can't talk about these things, I'm not talking about anything strange. Like I'm still very timid, I think, but yeah. like it's, it's, it makes people very angry sometimes. Yeah. It challenges the way they, one of the deepest ways they interact with the world. Yeah. So if I am mildly sexually liberated on social media, it means that they have to deal with that part in themselves. And if they've decided that sex is private, Mm -hmm. then that has to be maintained. For sure. So I get real, I get anger. I get real anger. I'm like, I'm not, you can unfollow me. Like, it's okay. Yeah. It's fascinating people's response to it. Can I switch, but pull back to the men who you were with and you said they viewed it as a challenge. Were they not able to hold space for all that came with it or were they just simply not able to keep up with you and keep up with the drive i'm curious as to what the underlying disconnect was with them because a high sex drive to me comes with a high emotional drive and a very wide spectrum of like this person is going to bring to me a huge amount of experience period our, my, our lives are going to be fascinating and up and down and juicy and fully like femininely rich. Is it yeah. that they couldn't handle that? Or is it that the bedroom itself was intimidating? I think there was a part that was intimidating. I think yeah. some of them felt small. And that to me was a very difficult thing to deal with also for myself as a woman. And I've heard other women who have these kind of bodies who feel the same. Like I started getting an imprint that if I show my full self, men get small. They feel small around me. And I love men. Like I love the masculine. I adore them. (laughs) It's the most beautiful thing in the world. And here is this, these kings that I adore that around me feel tiny and I don't get it because all I'm doing is showing myself in my fullness. And all of a sudden it's, it's about your ego. Let's stick with this. I have, I have a question. Yeah. Yeah. You say they felt small. Did you feel them stop leading? Did you feel them energetically shrink and get quiet around you? Or was it like, how do you define? So for someone listening or a guy listening, like, wait a minute, do I get small? Do I feel small? What was your experience of that man? Okay. So for instance, I'm very embodied and empowered in my sexuality. I know what I like Mm -hmm. and I, I don't feel shame around asking it. Good. at all right i think this is this is what my body likes and what my soul wants and let's create that together so i have feel no shame to ask that i've noticed especially with male partners that touches on something that they might not be doing it right right so if i'm very much like hey i would love it if we did this or this or this it i think it takes away a little bit of the the, the old-fashioned leadership of like i'm gonna do it this way she's gonna like it yeah. so i think that happened a little bit i think the other thing is is very few men have the experience of a, or from porn or whatever, what a fully sexually liberated woman looks like. Yeah. So when that is in front of them, it's a lot. Yeah. And they can't go into their old patterns of, okay, well, we're going to have sex and it's going to look like this. They can't, they have to break out of their scripting. And that's terrifying. And I get it. I get that that's terrifying because they have to actually connect. Right. Because this woman isn't gonna isn't gonna flow with you if you are not completely there. There's so, there's so much here. <laughs> I'm trying to wrap my. I, I I believe you. I've been there. I've experienced. Yeah. I remember being with fully expressed women years ago, and just being overwhelmed. Yeah. All the work that it's taken to hold that expression. Yeah. And I tell guys like you really you want a fully expressed sexual female. 
It's like paddling out at Waimea and being like, I really hope the waves are 35 foot today. It's yeah, sure, it's <laughs> my second day of surfing, but whatever. Yeah. Like yeah. I've watched a lot of surfing porn. So I'll be, <laughs> and then next thing you know, you're like vomiting on the beach, throwing up foam and you just got your ass handed to you. That's a great analogy. I like that. <laughs> That's why every major religion in the world has tried to shame feminine sexual expression yeah. because it's so much stronger than ours. Okay. Beautiful. I would also just love to add for women listening yeah. to this and to men listening to this, that one of the paradigms that needs to shift around male sexuality is that somehow at birth, we are given the chip, it's inserted into our brains and into our dicks, that every woman's sexuality is the same. Yeah. So the last three women you were with, the new one will, re- will react exactly as, she, as, as, as the others have. And if she doesn't, it's her fault because you're doing all the things that work. Yeah. As opposed to, I've described to men, like imagine mm-hmm. if you get into the cockpit of an airplane and every single time, it's all different. Yeah, same buttons, but some do different shit on one plane than they do in the other. It's it's confusing. So if men would take a deep breath yeah. and say, "Okay, new woman, new body, new entirely different thing," sure, parts are most likely in the same places, but they all react differently. And then that's the permission men need to give. We need to give ourselves. Yes. And go, oh, this person's actually giving me a guidebook on how to best please her. Hmm. I would study the fuck out of that book as opposed to taking it, throwing it out and being like, well, the last book I had worked really well. Like what's wrong with her? And then making, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's more than ego though, Sophie. Like I want to drop more than just like, I've been a good lover since high school. Yeah. It's literally this paradigm that says, in order to be a man, in quotes, you just intuitively have this sense of how to please a woman. And if you right. don't have that, there's something wrong with you. Right. Just like I think women here, if you intuitively don't know what turns you on and pleases you about your body, there's something wrong with you. And yes. now yeah. the, the message coming to them is, no, 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 no. Spend a month like exploring. Spend a month with yourself. So how did you navigate did you try to navigate with those men or was it just a shutdown? Yeah. So I'm a big believer that especially in your sexuality to show up for what's coming up. Right. So if all of a sudden you feel lots of shame or you feel like what you just did was wrong or you weren't good enough or whatever to show up for it as lovers, right. To be like, okay, I had this massive piece show up and it was so primal and it was so large. I apparently really feel like I should know how everything works. And when I don't, I feel like a failure. Yeah. So that's also how I train my clients to see intimacy like that. Like it's this beautiful arena for the shit to come up. Right. And that as a couple, you can hold that together and show up for it and then be with that and move through it and process it and be like, okay, okay, that's interesting. I don't do that anymore too much because I don't feel like caretaking my men too much anymore. Yeah. So there's compassion, but I'm not their savior. Right. Good. 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 So I've, cha- I've shifted that a bit. I've shifted the energy behind that a bit. Good. Yeah. How do you recommend for, so the, the conversation you just had, where you're like, oh, yeah. this came up and I expressed it. I can hang, hang with that. A lot of people I know can hang with that conversation. Mm-hmm. How do you help people who simply don't have the skill to mm-hmm. navigate that conversation? that simply don't have the skill to hear on male or female side, whichever side, yeah. hey, this thing came up and I want to share it. It's about me. How do you help people n- navigate that without immediately turning it on themselves? Yeah. Like, so oh, I mean, these are just said, I don't, that didn't feel good. That's my fault. I'm bad. I'm awful. I'm et cetera. How do you help navigate that? I mean, these are hard conversations to have. And I think especially in set, we are very afraid for the awkward like we do so much to avoid awkwardness. Like how many people don't like use a condom because they don't want to make it awkward, right? Like we, right. we fear awkwardness and uncomfortable so badly when actually it's a part of intimacy. Like if you can be with the discomfort in your partner and, and make space for that, then that's when things can flow again, right? So I hear your question, like what do you do when, when, they, when all of this isn't natural or isn't something you've practiced a lot? Wait, wait, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna... to... Yeah. Cut, cut right in because the awkward talk more about that, please. <laughs> because that's, I, I haven't heard that word, it, but it, God, it makes so much sense. 
And then again, for people who are new to this, what the hell does it mean to make space for it? It's for it to actually be there. Like, let's say it's getting hot and heavy and you know, it's time to put a calm on and you have to break up the, the juice to do that. That's part of it. Like we all have this idea that it always needs to be perfect and beautiful and easy. It's not like sex intimacy is ugly and it's messy. And to start accepting that it's just part of it. It's part of it that maybe we break the juice for a second and then we build it up again. Right. Right. Like maybe I said something and that kind of triggered you. Okay. Yeah. Let's be with that. Let things can go move down a little bit and then maybe it moves up to just kind of be more accepting of what's there. Okay. Yeah. We're so rejecting of awkwardness and discomfort and yeah. I mean, sex doesn't happen without it. I I completely agree. I love for the width of the experience to come in. I think especially for guys we think it needs to be this linear upward building yeah. of energy with no dip. Yeah. And there's a dip that could be catastrophic. Yeah. So the fear around the dip is real. And yet how many times do you need to break to put on a condom, to have a conversation, to ask like, Hey, are you okay? Or hilarity. Like, yes. Hey, to so make it lighter. For the fucking hilarious shit that happens in the bed. Yeah actually like, oh my god that was awkward yeah it was, was so <laughs> awkward <laughs> or yeah, that- so hilarious yeah um, i've had like candles catch shit on fire you know <laughs> oh my god oh my god stop wait a minute this is fucking bad. <laughs> <laughs> this is burning that <laughs> i think i should yeah, but- with you i was ha- uh, deeply in the middle of some wild passionate adult time and my partner's nose just exploded with blood <laughs> like no contact no nothing and all of a sudden i was like Oh my God, your face is bleeding. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> and then we were like yeah, so in the bathroom, giving her <laughs> to shove up her nose and we were both just hilariously <laughs> laughing. Anyway, I'm yeah. sorry, we got sidetracked. The awful- I think re- related to that is especially with men, like I coach a lot of men, like this whole idea that you just always have to keep it up and it just has to be this thing constantly when actually I can guarantee you most women don't care. Yeah. They want you to be with them. Right. They care about that so much more than whatever your penis is doing in that moment. Like they care about that so much more. Yeah. And to just stay with them. Like if something down there isn't doing what you wanted to, just stay in the experience with her. Yeah. I think that's a massive thing for men to realize too, is that there can be ups and downs literally in your erection and that's fine. And if it's not, if it does go down, it'll come back up. Yeah. And switch gears. And, but again, so be like, this isn't trained. No. Do I have compassion for people who don't feel that way or how many men have been uh, shamed by a female partner or then had it turn into, it's a really big deal. Yeah. Uh, I remember early in my twenties where I, it's just like the first time I ever lost my erection having sex and my partner took it all on her. Yeah. I was like, so you don't think I'm attractive? You're this. And I was like, I actually have no fucking idea what just happened. Yeah, but trust me, it's not you. Uh, but then yeah. it was a thing, right? Yeah. Now it's this. The, I remember the next time we had sex, I was terrified. Yeah. Like, what if this happens again? Yeah. What if something? Lots of men have this. Lots right? of men have this. What, and it's the worst. Yeah. So, how do we as people, men and women, mm-hmm. so we've talked about both sides, mm-hmm. how do we navigate these waters together if we're new to this? So someone listening to this is like, wow, that's a lot of consciousness and communication and feeling for something I try to like turn the lights off of and hope happens really fast. And then we get to high five and fall asleep. How do you help people navigating the early part of this conversation? I think the very simplest thing is to, after you've had sex or whatever, to have a little moment of reflection between you and your partner where you just say, Hey, how was that for you? What happened? Or what, like, what did you enjoy or what didn't go so well? Just to have a moment where you can show your vulnerability mm-hmm. and to kind of agree that you are not going to interrupt, coach, or fix each other. So you're just going to listen and have mm-hmm. both have a moment to do that. I think this is part of aftercare, after sex, I think anyways, and it should right. be to just have a moment of reflection together, Right. even just reminiscing, but it kind of completes the experience and it brings kind of the sexual experience into the more daily. Right. But I think for people starting out with this, start with that. Just both have a little moment where you can reflect on how that was. Yeah. Beautiful. That would be so helpful and healing to people. I loved how you use the word to transition. 
Yeah. I think for a lot of couples, it's like, okay, we're done. So did you watch the football game last night? And there, <laughs> there is no like gentle transition back from this highly paradigmal experience yeah. with all kinds of archetypes and things playing out to suddenly yes. come back to day-to-day humanity of like, do you want a grilled cheese? Nope. Let's wait, wait, we weren't done there. And so to almost make it a little bit juicier too, of like, what did you love about that? If yeah. you could have had yeah. more of one thing, what would it have been? What, what yeah. did, what may not have worked? And I would add this for the guys listening. You're just getting information. Yeah. No different than if someone, if you said like, Hey, did you like my meal? And they were like, just a tiny bit spicy for me. Yeah. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the meal. Just a tiny bit spicy for me. Yeah. Hear that and go, cool, information. Yeah. That's it. No attack of the ego, no shame, no, no putting down. So if, what would you say to women? Like, I'm going to have a lot of women listening to this going, okay, my sex drive off the charts. Don't have a place for it. Don't have a space for it. My partners, if I have them, think I'm too much or I'm a slut or are shaming yeah. me because it's an off-color flavor the way I like it. What is some advice you would give to them? If somebody is shaming you, take that very seriously. Like I absolutely believe being compassionate and giving people space to grow and to develop. But I think shaming in its essence means that I am taking out my shadow on you. So I'm uncomfortable by something, but I'm going to make you feel bad for it. Especially shaming is a very tricky thing that you should not have to coach anybody out of. Right? Right. So it could be that whoever is doing that can say, fuck, I notice I, I feel really uncomfortable about what just happened and I kind of, I'm looking differently at you and I don't want to do this at all. Right. Then it's a different conversation. Yeah. They've owned their part of it. They, so you can own the shaming. Then it's beautiful. Right. And then again, you can, you, you can process it. But if that reflection isn't there, then I'd be very careful with somebody that's shaming you for something that's beautiful about you. Mm. Right. Like your sexual desires. And this is what I want the whole world to know. What you want in your sex is innocent and sacred. You don't have a decision. There's no decision. If you have a rape fantasy, there, you didn't decide that one day. That bubbled up. Mm. And that should be honored. Mm-hmm. And there's rules for that, of course, consenting adults and in a safe setting and with honest communication. Yep. But what you need in your, what, what the desires are in your sexuality, intimacy, really in anything is sacred. It's your, it's your soul talking to you what food you need. Mm. And so honor that. So, and if you are with somebody that cannot honor that or will shame you for it, they're probably doing that in themselves. And I see that and I, I feel compassion for that, but be very careful being around that too long because shame is a sticky thing, yeah. sticks to you, especially about sex. That's a very vulnerable part of you. Like yeah. it took me more than a year to process mine. Are you open to speaking a little bit about yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. So I was in a relationship where I was shamed for my sexual expression. And while it was happening, I thought this is clearly his shit has nothing to do with me. So while it was happening, I could already see what, what it was. Can I ask you how the messaging came just so someone listening knows what that means, if you're open to saying? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I was called a sex addict because I masturbated every day. I was called a narcissist because I, and I was trained in this as well, to look at yourself while you're pleasuring yourself, especially for women. This is beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. Like to have that visual input of what that looks like. So that was seen as narcissistic. I have lots of toys. Lots of women do that. That was wrong. So, and and this particular partner had a thing of going through a certain sexual act with me. And then afterwards saying, that was really not cool that you liked that so much. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's some manipulative shit. That's some manipulative shit. And I knew it while it was happening. That's why I want to speak about it. I knew it while it was happening. I was like, what the fuck, dude? It's like, hey, I cooked you this meal. Oh, you liked it? Wow. Ew. (laughs) You slut. I can't believe you liked it. That's exactly what happened to me. And I knew what was happening. Yes. Um, Yeah. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. And why I want to share it is that like, I I was a sex coach at that point. Like I, and I knew what was happening and I knew it was ridiculous and it got stuck in my system. Mm. What does that mean? It it got stuck in your system. I am not as expressed as I normally am. Like there is a part of me when I'm in my most vulnerable state, there is a voice in my head that goes, you shouldn't be doing this. That... If I go into a certain act with my current partner, I think I'm doing something wrong to him. And he's constantly like, what the fuck, Sophie? Like, I'm saying yes to this. I'm an adult. I can tell you no at any point. <laughs> you don't have to manage this. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm just so worried that I did something that you didn't like. 
And so that's why I'm saying be very careful about shame because it's very sticky, and especially in sex, that's our most vulnerable state. Mm. And it's not something you can talk yourself completely out of. So if somebody's shaming you, be very careful. Be very careful. Yeah. And then for the space that those women want to occupy in the world, yeah. how do you help people take up that space with the allowance and permission that they're allowed to I don't give a shit. You masturbate in the mirror every day with lots of toys, have a lot of sex, do all the things and just own that that's who you are. And that's, there's absolutely nothing wrong. Actually, how do we sell How do you have women celebrate that parts of themselves before we even say like, it's not wrong. Fuck that shit. How do you celebrate it? How do you teach women to celebrate it? Well, actually, I want to go back to that. It is important to know what is wrong. Okay. Because then you know that everything else isn't. Like, okay, what is wrong? That's if, for me, it's wrong when it isn't two consenting adults. For me, it's wrong when the communication isn't transparent. So if somebody has sex with another person for a casual thing and they're making it sound like they're going to take them to Paris, there's something wrong about that and it needs to happen in a safe setting. If those things aren't there, then there's something wrong about it. Everything else is okay. (laughs) Everything else is okay. And maybe, okay, let me add to that the addiction part. So if you need to masturbate every day because, and if you don't, you get like anxious or it's a have to, then there's something, some healing to do there. But if none of those things are happening, your sexual expression is beautiful. I learned this from my teacher, Leila Martin, like to celebrate the slut, go own it, go spend a week owning your slut and, and, and reframe it. Like what's her name? Mama Gina or Regina. Mama Gina. Mama Gina. Yeah. I met her and she, she's amazing. She wrote this book called Pussy and it's all about kind of, reinstating the courtesan which is actually the empowered slut it's like the woman that just says i want that man i fucking own it pussy says that guy yeah it's a lift from that place (laughs) one of my favorite you probably heard me talk about kimberly weil time and time again she was my ted coach and she spoke she trained under mama gina and early on when i was working with her she'd say traver this may not be applicable to you but mama gina always asked me what does your pussy want (laughs) So Traver, yeah. what does your pussy want? And I'm like, uh, I, I, I have no idea what just happened, but I'm so confused and, and warm right now. <laughs> like, I don't know. She's asking like, what does your deepest yeah. heart want? What does your soul want? What does your, your, yeah. your sex want, right? Which is yeah. such a question we don't ask ourselves here because we're yeah. so cut off from that. Just even the inquiry with that area with that kind yeah what does your lower body want like for men and women what does your sex center want what where does it want to go because it's that's that's the thing like what comes from there is innocent like i wish people understood this like what you feel there what you want there what you desire there is innocent there is no choice yeah there's no maliciousness there so everything that's coming from there is beautiful so what what's the the outcome of this ask the very like what what do you see is when people like okay they've worked with you or they've worked through some of the shame they start owning their sexuality like what's what is the sunset at the end of the 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 end of the path what are some of the pros and and beautiful outcomes you've seen i don't even know how to answer that because it's such a full life change Mm, answer it Um, tell me about (laughs) i think when you live from a place where for instance your sexuality is integrated you can't live any more things that you don't want to do. You can't live a life that <laughs> your sex center doesn't want, right? Like there is just, there is no other option but to honor yourself in everything. And, and, and it might look like people becoming more selfish. And I think that's very healthy, Yeah. right? If you don't want to answer the phone, you don't. Right. Or what I often see is that people become more authentic, more aligned with themselves, more... Yeah, integrated. There's more acceptance of self. There's more energy. There's more life. There's more flow. There's more pleasure, more sadness. Everything's more. There's more color. More color. We'll leave it at that. (laughs) How do people get more of you? How do people find you? Where do you hang out? What do you have coming up? Like, this is, I would shove thousands of people in your direction, men and women. How do people find you? So, for now, the best place is my Instagram, which is Sophia Josefina, both with PH. And an F or P H N I E. Yeah. Can you, can you just S- spell that out for everybody? S O P H I E, Sophie. And then Josefina is J O S E P H I N A. Bam. I'm going to have it in the show notes, but just for people okay. who are listening. And I'm about to launch a program for women on healing the masculine. 
So they think mm-hmm. they're being fully and they're feminine. It's a very deep, deep program, uh, especially for the strong independent woman that wants to be thrown against the wall and isn't getting that. <laughs> yeah, that's like half the country. <laughs> <laughs> it's half of my DMs every morning on Instagram. Right? How do I find a guy who will respectfully <sighs> throw me against the wall? I know, and conceptually yeah. and all the things, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. And then I'm launching a men's program soon on pretty much how to push that woman against the wall. And it's called Irresistible Warriors, Being the Man She Craves. I love it. I love it. You guys listen to this. Please find this woman. Thank you so much for your time, for sharing. And more so just for taking the reins on this. Mm -hmm. I I agree with you that the biggest healing the world needs right now is sexual healing. So bless you. and Thank you. Thanks for hopping on here. Tell me about what you just mentioned. This demonization of the turn on of men. Can you talk more about that? Yeah. It's a topic I've been exploring a lot is that we have shamed the turn on of men and we've made it something dirty. And I think a lot of the issues men face is because they think their sex drive or their turn on or they're wanting something is something dirty. Mm. Right. And we do that really in everything. Like if, a, and I, 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 there is lots of toxic masculinity for sure, for sure that, abuses this this their sex drive to to control to manipulate to get something but i think in essence the sex drive of men is something so beautiful it's the same for women right it's it's so gorgeous and i i would love to hear your thoughts about this because i don't know what's needed but i would love to get the the turn on of men out of the shadow it's a great question uh i agree with you that one the tip of the iceberg is all of the bad shit that's come from unskillful and yeah. shadow expression of male turn on. Most men don't know here. It's twofold. In my opinion, most men don't know how to regulate that turn on. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. turned on now. I need to do something about it. Yeah. That's yeah. they don't know how to breathe it through and, and channel it elsewhere. It's like, yeah. I'm super turned on right now. I'm alone. What do I do other than masturbate? Or I'm super turned on with a woman who the position of our relationship isn't thus that we're going to express sexuality together. What do yeah, I yeah. do? Yeah. I think that's part A, teaching guys that turn on doesn't necessarily mean the necessity of action. I yeah. don't have to deal with it. I have mm. to learn to alchemize it. Yeah. Two, male sexual desire exists primarily in the shadows of our culture. Yeah. Right. We don't celebrate like, oh my God, that guy is, you know, he, his whole life is turned on. His whole life is, is, um, is that is turned on. So much of male sexual expression happens in the shadows. Yeah. It happens alone in front of a computer screen. That's where I would say 99%, 90% of male sexual expression happens alone, masturbating in shame. Right. And so men too, this is a big part of what I teach men and work with men on is tell, and this isn't, you want to have a super awkward conversation. So and I tell, I ask guys, like, tell me what turns you on. Oh. like, bro, oh. <laughs> like, I don't want to fucking talk to you about it. I'm like, well, if you can't talk to me about it, yeah. how do you think you're going to stand in front of a woman with your arms at your sides and your hands open or your, your heart open and say, I want to throw you up against the wall and fuck you. Yeah. Right. I want to tie you up and, and do, do all these things or I don't, I want it to be slow and sensual and I'm really kind and, and, and gentle. Like both yeah. sides of the spectrum get shamed and they're shamed first by that man who he yeah. won't own it. Like, Hey bro, it's okay. Yeah. You want to throw someone up against the wall consensually and fuck the shit out of them and burn your house to the ground doing it. Amazing. Own that. Yeah. You have very little sexual desire. Yeah. You're not your alpha Navy SEAL in the bedroom. Own that. Own that. You're scared of sexuality. You're confused about sexuality. It's this topic that you just don't understand. Own that. That's the first piece of it. Yeah. We, we, I don't think we're going to change society's view of men's sexuality until men's sexuality, until men's sexual expression itself comes out of the shadow. And so what can we do individually? As women listening to this, own the space when you ask your partner and ask your partner what turns you on. And then own the fact that your reaction is going to be 
so is going to be watched so carefully. Yeah. Like, are you disgusted by what he just said? Are you, are you like dumping disgust on him, even though you asked the question? Yeah. Right? Are you so turned on, even though by the fact that you asked the question? And is 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 he okay in that space? It's almost like we have to switch the role of who's yes. holding the space, right? And I have men do this the same for women and say, just realize how vulnerable of a conversation it is. Yeah. To, to fully say, if I sat in front of you and said, Sophie, this is everything that turns me on from the little stuff to the big stuff, to the dark stuff, to the scary stuff, to the shit I'm not really sure about, but I think may be fun. That is like all my cards mm-hmm. on the table. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So one, God, there's so much to this question. I remember doing it. Like I remember sitting down with a woman a couple of years ago and it was a, it was a unique like consent conversation. Mm-hmm. So she was in the kink world. I was in the kink world. And it was like, okay, let's go down this list of like 250 things do you want to do like this. Do you like this? This is like, you know, red, yellow, green. Like, is it, are you curious about it? Is it a definite? No. And it was one, it was such a hot conversation, mm-hmm. but two, I remember things coming up on the list and being like, Oh, I don't know if I want to say yes to this, even though it's a yes, because <laughs> she's going to think of me yeah. if I check that box. Yeah. Right. And then I had to put myself in her situation and say, oh, she has to give me that same level of trust and vulnerability to check the boxes that she's unsure of. Yeah. But then what do you know? We were both dealing with honesty. I knew what turned her on. She yeah. knew what turned me on. I knew what turned her off. Yeah. And she knew what turned me off. Most importantly, I think for the male in that situation, I knew what the limit was. Like, this is a no-go. Yeah. Don't, don't even knock on this door. And so I knew in my head and heart, don't knock on the fucking door. Yeah. Like, she's, yeah. she's been honest about that. And so what was freeing about it was now I have all of the ingredients yeah. with which to create a masterpiece or a quick snack. But I know which ones I get to play with. Yeah. And so how do we undemonize men's sexuality? Men have to fucking do it first. So I so from Tantra we say that the female sex drive or the sexual energy goes from the heart into the sex center. Mm-hmm. That's why a woman needs to be first touched and completely like actually okay. the, yeah. yeah, before it can go there. For men it's actually the other direction. Mm-hmm. The sexual energy goes from the sex center to the heart. So that also means that a man shows his love by his sex. Right. He expresses his love through his sex drive. So that's at least where I'm in this process now. Like if we can start seeing men's sexual like drive or turn on as his way of expressing his love to the world, mm-hmm. then it becomes very different. hundred percent. We're looking at it from the female perspective. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons I think it gets shoved in the shadow. Yeah. Yeah. When it's still this beautiful thing, like I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this, but if you have a couple where the guy wants way more sex than the girl does, and we think it's wrong for the guy to want that much sex, actually, it's how he expresses his love to her. Yeah. That's how he does it. And so he needs an outlet there because well, how is he going to do it otherwise? He's going to do it right? sideways. Yeah. <laughs> it needs to come out and to, to kind of see it like that, that this, this, all this life that is in a man is a way to express his love. A hundred percent. And for so many men, it is the, the doorway to intimacy. Yes. You want intimacy? Yeah. yeah. The, the entry fee for men to get, into, to get access to sex for women is intimacy. For yeah. women, if you want access to intimacy, it's through sex. And I get it. These are a little bit opposing. So somewhere in the middle lies a lot of really beautiful conversations. Yeah. And the ultimate beautiful acceptance that we approach things from different angles. Yes. And let's not yes. shame either one. I say I want to put the asterisks by that. Yep. Men have so much owning of and responsibility taking yet to happen of our own sexuality. Yes. And what it does. Mm-hmm. That it is like a lightsaber slashing through villages if not mm-hmm. kept in check. Or even one woman's life can be drastically altered by the potency of our sexuality if it's not kept in check and and used responsibly. So I want to throw that out there too. Guys, you need to own the power of it and and the beauty of it. Yeah. So just a small tantra tip, if you are feeling lots of turn on as a guy and you don't know where to take it, 
to breathe, to imagine that you're breathing up the energy on the front of your body up and then exhale it down the back of your body. It's this kind of tantric hack that will kind of ground the energy. So just inhale up the body, exhale down the back. Do push-ups. And do push-ups. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but have a physical outlet, right? So just, yeah. that's still energy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's still energy that needs to go in direction. And what I'm doing with my partner now, it's like, I celebrate his turn on, even though I can't say yes to it every time he wants to. And it's every time I notice his turn on, there's still a little voice in my head that thinks I need to decide whether I'm going to do this or not. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I have to defend myself a little bit. And that's mm-hmm. my old programming. But he doesn't have to censor his turn on for me. I don't want him to always invite me into the sex because that to me is a, that's my, my, like that's, that's intense as a woman because that's, it's a different experience for a woman than a man, I think, but his turn on doesn't need to be rejected. His turn on is welcome. If he is turned on beautiful, amazing, let it be there. And and so the way he expresses it more now is in the sensuality. Oh, okay. So how do you celebrate it without turning it into sex? Just for someone listening, sensuality. And is that you being sensual with him? Is that him being sensual with you? Him being very sensual with me. He feels like he's a constant lover. Mm -hmm. He's he's just making love to me constantly. We're not constantly having sex, but his energy is constantly making love. And it's amazing as a woman to be around. Like, that's why I would love to also for men to rephrase it. Like sexual energy only has to go into sex. Right. No, like the sensuality is still there to like a lot of men don't, don't know how to touch a woman because they've never been taught the sensuality, the slowness, the, the, the teasing. Right, right. Right. And so, especially in a masculine energy, like that kind of sensuality is delicious. It's amazing for a woman to be around and it, like that. I don't mind being around that all day. I love it. Right. And that's it, a very different experience. That's a powerful thing for men to learn too. That yeah. I think so much of us, we are cut off from our sensuality because the the logical trip down the road is if it starts sensual, it's going to end sexual every yeah. single time. Yeah. So if you're not in a sexual mood or don't feel like you have the capacity for sex, guys are like, well, then why would I be sensual? Yeah. yeah. And so we're missing this whole flavor. Yes. Of, and this juice, this aliveness, mm-hmm. this, this like, oh, the air is a little bit heightened in the house now. Yeah. Everybody's got their pants on. But yeah. things are just a little bit juicier, a little richer, yeah. a little bit more. Just play flavor. with her. Just play with her. Put your turn on into just playing with her, teasing her, yeah. challenging her. And then and then everything becomes sex. <laughs> oh, to be a fly on the wall for your house. <laughs> You're like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Fun there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. This is Trevor Bohm signing off on another episode of the Uncivilized Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please give us a share. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. And if you're interested in getting a hold of my book, Man Uncivilized, whether you're a man or a woman, please go to www.manuncivilized.com forward slash the book and get reading.